Ben, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, hold on. The sound spiked. All good. One, two, three, one, two, three. We'll try again. Hi, Ben. Hello. Can you hear me? I have to put my headphones on. Sure. So I've been asked to do it again. One, can you do one, two, three, one, two, three again? Sure. One, two, three, one, two, three. One, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. One, two, three, one, two, three. Great. I don't see you anymore, so it's FYI. Ah. Uh. This, this technical stuff drives me crazy. Um, I see you. You're back. Okay, good. The good thing about Riverside is that it's recording your side and my side in real time. So if there's any okay. problem, just keep talking. It's probably going to be okay. Okay. Um, unless you can't hear me, in which case that does probably cause a problem because you won't be able to hear the dialogue. Okay. But, but as long as you can still hear me, it's probably going to be okay. 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 Hello, everybody. I'm actually, I'm actually live on TikTok right now as well, so now I'm just saying hello to people on TikTok. Okay. Uh, yeah, multitasking. Um, right, so here we go again. Ben, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Would you mind starting off by perhaps telling my audience a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. Um, thank you for having me on the podcast. My name is Ben, and I'm the head of open innovation at New World Development. Uh, the organization is called Eureka Nova. Uh, what we do is uh, we look at startup technologies that are in the market that can solve business pain points within uh, New World Development. Uh, as a uh, conglomerate here in Hong Kong and all the different businesses that we're in, whether it's in property, hospitality, wellness, sports, um, there are always technology challenges. Uh, and some of these challenges uh, may not have technologies that are readily available in the market. So our role is to go out there to identify startups and technologies and try to co-develop solutions for these pay points. Um, and a little bit about kind of what, how we're involved in the Start Me Up HK Festival this time around is that um, over the past couple of years, we've been uh, looking at how we can find uh, impact-driven and purpose-led startups. Uh, they're not only looking to drive uh, their solutions uh, from a commercial value, but they're actually looking to do create, uh, creating shared value, and they're trying to make uh, an impact in people's lives as well. Uh, and that has helped us kind of um, define uh, a topic that we, we think is very uh, important, uh, and we call it 1.5 degrees um, summit. And um, given all the research around climate challenges, um, we really saw um, multiple pillars that are levers to really help us achieve uh, these climate challenge goals, um, especially by the end of the century. 
but to help us kind of maneuver that trajectory of our global uh, average temperatures, um, we need to make those changes within this decade, uh, which is why we thought that uh, 1.5 degree summit was a very uh, important piece of this year's Start Me Up HK Festival because we're bringing in all the experts, all the startups, all the technologists uh, that are involved in the technologies that are going to equip us uh, to reach that 1.5 degree Celsius goal uh, by the end of the century. Great idea. And this is a subject that I have to say, I think Hong Kong generally, if you were thinking of climate change and taking action to help, you don't think of Hong Kong. So in a way, I feel like you're putting Hong Kong on the map by having this discussion at this level. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's a really important subject as well. I mean, of course, um, and, and the fact that technology coming out of markets like Hong Kong could actually impact that change. That's frankly, I think what a lot of people are holding on to, aren't they? I mean, we can see the devastation perhaps happening because of climate change. But I think a lot of people are relying on technology to solve the problem, maybe uh, thinking that it's too late. If we don't have technology solve it, we probably won't be able to solve it because people's habits can't change. Do you, what do you think about that? Yeah, you know, the, the thing with technology is that it's meant to equip us um, to, to make these changes. Uh, but, but to actually make these cha- changes, it, it requires the you know, user behavior. All of us have to uh, want uh, to make that change. But I feel that there is a gap in the market, and that gap is um, mainly educational. You know, what are the pillars that are actually going to help us make the biggest bang for our buck when it comes to uh, making climate change moves, um, you know, and, and there are several, you know, call it scientific-based papers out in the market, but it's not very user-friendly for you to understand uh, how you could actually make these uh, different changes, right? And that's why in our uh, summit, we've, we've boiled it down to four uh, pillars. Uh, these four pillars are, are meant to be, hey, these are the changes that you can make and here are the technologies available in the market that you can start looking into. You know, um, some of it is around um, when we look at diet. Um, what alternatives are there out there? What uh, are some of the technologies out there that are in the pipeline to help us curb, you know, methane gases that are produced by, um, you know, these huge farms, uh, specifically in the beef business. Um, we're, we're also looking at smarter buildings, you know, uh, buildings in general, uh, emit a lot of, uh, carbon emission. Um, but, but we need them. We work there, we live in there. Um, so what are the solutions and technologies available out there? Uh, they're going to make these buildings smarter, greener. Um, we're also looking at, uh, industries. Um, how can industries, uh, start looking at, uh, making changes uh, in their whole entire supply chain. And one particular area that we're looking at is also renewable energy and carbon capture. These are four essential pillars uh, that we're putting on the table and we're bringing experts to come in to talk about it. Uh, and we think it's uh, helping people understand that it's actually really easy to digest. Uh, and there are technologies currently available and are there in the pipeline that's going to help us better equip ourselves uh, to get that uh, get to that uh, global goal. Uh, when it comes to climate change is there i mean i think this is a really interesting way that you're putting it because i feel like the practical steps is often what's missing we have the lofty goal and people feel guilty they know they should be doing more but an actual practical you know guide um, i've not really seen that out there to help people step through how to be more sustainable and one of the things i see 
I mean, you know, I'm in. I mean, I've spent years in Hong Kong, as you know, but but I, I've, I'm now in London, and you've got brands like you know Marks and Spencers, which I know are also in Hong Kong, and they're producing a lot of stuff in plastic. You know, they're a lot of even the cucumbers you buy are wrapped in plastic. So I feel like corporations also have a responsibility to to change, to to adapt. And 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 is there a is there something along the kind of step by step guide for corporates in the same way that you're doing it for individuals? Yeah, ab- absolutely. Uh, and there are a lot of frameworks and agreements and consortiums out in the market that corporates can uh, dive into um, to essentially be a part of this movement. You know, uh, from us, uh, from a new world development perspective, uh, we'll, in our pipeline, we've set goals that are uh, specific to the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. Um, so by 2030, our uh, GBA properties, we, we're looking to be 100% renewable energy. Um, and when we're looking at our in Hong Kong developing, you know, we have a triple platinum uh, green building in Kings Road and Quarry Bay. Um, so, so it's essentially setting um, a benchmark. Uh, and the, the good thing is that people are following. Uh, people are looking at these certificates and how they could actually make their buildings more optimized, more green, more uh, friendly uh, to the environment. Um, they're also looking at further how to optimize these buildings. Because even though you built the building, there, there are a lot of technologies out there that can further optimize, um, you know, how you spend your energy, right? Um, so, um, and again, I, I go back to the pillars. Uh, where do you focus uh, your impact, right? You know, we, we talk a little bit about waste management. Uh, we call, talk about, you know, packaging, et cetera. Those things are very important, especially to drive that essential, um, you know, one foot into the door to start making a change. But you need these large corporations to make those big changes and big steps uh, when we look at renewable energy, right? If you can do carbon capture and renewable energy in your properties moving forward, uh, in your um, corporate uh, strategy in general, those are big changes that are going to add to driving that trajectory down uh, so that we can get to uh, a realistic 1.5 degrees Celsius. Because right now, the trajectory that we're at, it, it is not there. Uh, we're looking at probably anywhere between 3 to 5% Celsius uh, by the end of um, the century at this state at the moment. Well, um, for anyone listening that wants to join the debate or perhaps you're listening to this after the Start Me Up Festival, which is possible, then you'll be able to get access to uh, Ben and his organization's chat on this subject and uh, the thought leaders on this subject in the links below. So do feel free to go and uh, check it out. Um, I guess, Ben, I, I wouldn't talk about your personal background. I know you're an angel investor in the past. You started um, the Launchpad, Startup Launchpad, which, you know, for my listeners, again, that don't know, this had a big impact uh, on the market. Tell us a little bit about that company uh, you started and your angel investment personal philosophy. Yeah, well, well um, with, with Startup Launchpad, what we were trying to achieve was, again, um, help a lot of these companies uh, get access to market. Uh, we, we find that a lot of these startups, um, in the very beginning, they um, have great ideas. Um, they have the initial resources that are made available to them, uh, whether it's private or public uh, bodies, to get them to a certain stage. And specifically at the IoT hardware startups that we were looking at, um, we saw that they're able to uh, get their early adopters to essentially buy into their product. Uh, and if we all have read the Crossing the Chasm book, uh, we, we understand how uh, each demographic would uh, behave. 
uh, it, the, the biggest challenge for a lot of these startups was to enter the early mass majority. Uh, and to enter the early mass majority, we, we were looking at, okay, well, how do the early mass majority shop? And they don't go on kickstarter.com. They don't go Indiegogo to find these type of products. They're typically shopping at your brick and mortars, uh, the big name ones. And especially for, um, you know, early stage hardware consumer products, um, to get into brick and mortars is a very difficult proposition uh, just because that whole entire business model is very traditional. So what we're trying to do with Startup Launchpad is to bridge that gap. Uh, we knew that there was a demand on the buyer side uh, that wanted unique early stage uh, technology products that they could bring their customers, make it sexy, um, and try to really sell it at a large scale and drive foot traffic into the stores. And then the demand on the supply side is startups is I need to get into these markets because I need to be able to make sure that my products get out there as quickly as possible. I have the dollars to feed it behind it. And then there are no competitors that could achieve or or try to copy these products. Because we know when it comes to consumer electronics, these products life cycles are, you know, at, at, you know, uh, hyperspeed, you know, uh, every six months they're changing. So, that was what we were looking at. Uh, from an angel investment perspective, uh, outside startup launchpad, uh, for the few companies that um, you know I've looked into and I, I put my personal uh, money behind, it's just a matter of does it make business sense? Um, it, it just boils down to that, to as simple as that. You know, um, especially from an angel stage. Um, we can look at some of the companies uh, that have these kind of moonshot ideas and they're great. Um, However, I just go back to, does it just make simple business sense? Do you as a startup founder understand the margins that are going to uh, help your company scale? Do you know what it would require to get your company to scale? Uh, what resources are you going to be able to tap into? And, and are you realistic? Uh, that, that's a big um, acumen. I would say that's required for any of the companies I look into. Mm, that's a, it's a good, yeah. a good overview. I think, yeah, being realistic sounds. Um, I think to some people that are aspiring to build a business, maybe a bit practical, but I think it's it's very true. You know, you want people that are authentic, um, accept the challenges ahead, but of course have vision. So, very very uh, interesting insight to how you think, and Ben and I, I agree with you. Can we just for a second for those listening that don't know Hong Kong, talk about why you think Hong Kong? is such a you know a vibrant startup ecosystem what, what what do you think it has that perhaps other markets don't have um hong kong is such a unique um city and i have to say that because i'm, I'm not originally from hong kong i'm from uh, new jersey uh, united states and um coming to hong kong has really opened my eyes to uh, how dynamic this market is uh, and not just the market in itself i mean when you come to hong kong you're here for business um, th- there's no way to escape that. You're here to make um, your network. You're here to uh, try to drive valuable business, and you're really trying to capture everyone's mindset, which is very aligned with you. Everyone's here with a commercial mindset, right? Um, work-life balance, throw that out the window a little bit, uh, but here you're really looking to make money, uh, and every um, one in the stakeholder is going to have that type of that the stakeholder ecosystem has that network to be able to help you bridge those um, access points. And some of the access points is, is what makes Hong Kong uh, unique. Literally, if you take a bus from Central, 45 minutes later, you're in Shenzhen. And this is pre-COVID days, right? But once the border opens up, you could take a speed train from Kowloon 
and you get to Shenzhen in 14 minutes. Um, you, you could take a flight to Taiwan in two hours. You can access Southeast Asia in four hours. Um, to go from a you know city like Hong Kong to access different markets uh, in just a matter of hours or minutes, that's just unheard of. Uh, and I think uh, if you're looking, if you have a, a company that you're trying to access market different markets in a very short amount of time, uh, Hong Kong's the place to be. Uh, and that's what uh, makes Hong Kong so dynamic, in my opinion. And the, the great thing is that the territories around Hong Kong, all these different countries also view Hong Kong as that access point to other places. So there's this kind of you know, rotation of people that are always coming into Hong Kong, which makes it really, really cool. I know the um, you know there's been a lot of bad press for Hong Kong in the last few years, um, and and I've been in London, so looking at it from the outside perspective. But but I, I actually agree with everything you've just said. That Hong Kong is such an incredible city. It's been um, p- people have been predicting its demise for as long as I've been involved in Hong Kong in 1997 when I put, you know put the handover. It's like well that's the end of Hong Kong. They were wrong, you know, again and again. And so Hong Kong, you're quite right. It has an incredible um, connectivity to it. And for those listening that don't understand Shenzhen, I mean, I was just reading that Shenzhen has the most patents in the world. Um, it's the number one patent location. I think 82% of all patents are based out of Shenzhen, which is yeah. just, you know, gives yeah. you some idea, global patents, right? It gives you some idea of the scale of the, the I guess, the manufacturing and, and execution ability of, of the city that Hong Kong's connected to. But um, do you think, um, just on a personal level, Ben, do you think entrepreneurs are born or bred? It's a really good question. I feel like it's a combination of both. There's no kind of, um, you know, born or bred kind of thing. I, I think if you're born with it, you still have to be bred. Um, so, so I do think that, um, you know, uh, it, it is innate uh, that you have this kind of optimism to solve problems. Uh, those are your, your entrepreneurs that they're constantly thinking, constantly, you put them, you give them a problem. They're constantly thinking of solutions. I, I mean, that's that's awesome. And however, that optimism needs a little bit of polishing sometimes. And I do feel that um, the training uh, when you go through these programs as a startup, as an entrepreneur, those are very valuable. I, I've I've seen great purpose and ideas, but all the founder needs is either help, network, or a little bit of polishing to get that business acumen there, and then boom, you, you've got a business. On the other end, uh, if you're kind of essentially bred to be an entrepreneur, um, if you don't have that um, that question in mind of how do I solve problems all, all the time, if you don't have that optimism or you're not inquisitive, well, then you're not an entrepreneur. Um, I, I think that's one important factor. If you're inquisitive as a person, you could be bred to be a successful entrepreneur, in my, in my opinion. Mm. Great answer. Great answer. Now, I'm going to put you on the spot here and um, ask you, who do you think is going to be the next Hong Kong unicorn? We've got 10 now, I know. So who, who's who's next? Mm. I, I wish, uh, Simon, I wish I knew. I, uh, I would not be working if I knew. Um, <laughs> I, I, w- I will say that there's a space, um, a category of startups that I think will be, uh, will, will be where the next uh, unicorn will be born and uh, in Hong Kong because of the climate and the uh, the network of sophisticated investors uh, in Hong Kong. 
uh, I do think that the next um, unicorn will be a fintech company. Mm. Um, this is because the base is there uh, and these startups just need to be able to leverage it. Uh, if you told me that the next uh, unicorn in Hong Kong is doing fashion tech, let's just say it, I'm just, I'm just, you know, making it up. I think that's a harder um, runway for them. Uh, I think the fintech uh, companies have a better runway uh, to be successful in Hong Kong. Actually, I don't know the breakdown of each of the ones. I mean, I know um, it, it, I, it's interesting when you look at actually what unicorns have come out of Hong Kong because actually fintech should be the first second and third because of the financial yeah. hub element and the talent that's really poured into the startup ecosystem since the financial crisis when everyone kind of a lot of smart people left banking in 2008 2009 and started getting involved in the startup scene so I think your prediction is right I think we're going to see a whole run of the fintech companies coming out of Hong Kong that you know, unicorns and of course therefore potentially hugely scalable businesses but um, just um, before we uh, wrap up a couple of things I, I was really interested in the open innovation model that you're running at New World Group I think for people listening some of our listeners actually have companies and are thinking about how to innovate it seems to me you're running quite a unique and exciting model there where you're yeah literally um, I guess working with external uh, organizations and structures to to innovate your own um organization which which i think is normally people have, have it in-house but that whole external exposure piece is quite interesting talk us through quickly that model how does it work yeah the, the model is very simple um, on how we uh, drive open innovation um, in every innovation project we call them business integration projects internally um, in any integration that we develop, we need to make sure that a KPI that's tied to a business value is always uh, present. Uh, that could be revenue driven, that could be cost optimization, it could be uh, data driven, or it could be ecosystem driven. Ecosystem meaning that you're looking to move one customer segment to another customer segment that could uh, benefit your particular business unit. So. Once we have that identified, then we, we look at the resources available because that's the next big question. Uh, do you have the financial means in your, or in your budget to actually drive uh, these pilot integration projects that could materialize into something that's more commercial? Um, so, so that's the, the way that we, we measure every integration. And this is why we've been able to drive uh, such a high conversion rate. I mean, we, we just brought in 14 startups in our last Impact Commerce cohort, and 12 of them uh, landed commercial uh, arrangements uh, with, our, with our different businesses. Um, so we really do the homework in defining the, the pain point, what the solution is, and, and what KPIs they're trying to achieve and then manage the expectations of both the, the business unit side as well as the startup side so that you know we, we do have, call it a somewhat of an agreement of if a pilot is landed and if it does meet these KPIs, then it actually does mean into something larger, something bigger that both sides uh, could achieve in a commercial way at, at, a, at a large scale. Uh, so, so that's our approach. And again, for anyone listening outside of Hong Kong who doesn't know who New World Group is, uh, they're an incredible group doing incredible things. So I've always felt, and I still feel it today, that people, startups, anyone listening, um, you, you sometimes don't realize the power of teaming up with a corporation. Sometimes they're seen as the enemy or, or maybe the one you're looking to um, you know, compete with. But this one plus one 
equals 11 model you know of, of teaming up corporations have their power and they have their weaknesses and same with startups i mean one thing corporate bring is scale so i think it's it's just it's just great to see um, a wonderful organization like New World, you know, um, also supporting the ecosystem as they are with you at the helm, Ben. So thank you for that. Just before we wrap up, one thank thing, you. I wondered if um, you would uh, be kind enough to offer any words of wisdom, wisdom for any aspiring entrepreneurs out there. Um, one of my biggest things uh, right now is, uh, are you driving impact uh, with your startup? You know, um, I think there are a lot of... Um, models out there that you're not really reinventing the wheel. But uh, if you are looking at how do you take that model and look at driving impact and affecting people uh, in a real way, um, that's, uh, you know, very valuable and it, it drives purpose into uh, every founder. So, so uh, always think about that and how you could uh, create shared value uh, in all your models. I love it. You know, are you driving impact? I asked myself the same question as you asked the question. And uh, it keeps you on point, actually. Keeps you, um, and if you get that, that motivation right, like you say, it leads to purpose. And in my view, purpose leads to persistence, which equals success over time. So, um, Absolutely. So, so it's a really, really good uh, question. Are you driving impact? And keep that in the back of your mind. And it will keep you motivated. So, Ben, always a pleasure uh, to chat to you. I really appreciate you taking time out. Um, go enjoy the startup festival thank you so much for sharing your knowledge here and to keep up the great work thank you so much simon thanks for having me